The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right, we'll head to the daily briefing by Dr. Dina Hinshaw on COVID-19. Looks like uh, the health minister, Tyler Shandro, is up first. Here he is, the Minister of Health. Well, thank you, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Dr. Hinshaw will provide uh, the update on uh, today's cases in a moment, as uh, Tom said. Um, More than uh, six weeks ago, in the face of a growing number of cases of COVID-19 in our province, Alberta canceled all non-urgent scheduled surgeries. With cases emerging in all five of Alberta's health zones, we needed to free up medical personnel and beds for patients requiring hospital care because of the virus. To to curb the spread of COVID-19, we also restricted visits to healthcare providers like chiropractors, psychiatrists, or sorry, sorry, I should say psychologists, uh, limiting visits only to those in need of urgent or emergency care. These were necessary decisions made with the, the health of Albertans as our top priority, but they weren't made lightly. I know that canceling surgeries and other non-urgent healthcare visits caused disappointment and stress for many Albertans, many of whom had been waiting already a long time for an important procedure. And I appreciate your patience. And now it's thanks to those measures, thanks to our frontline healthcare workers, and thanks to the vigilance and and patience of uh, all Albertans that we are flattening the curve of COVID-19 infections. Alberta has done uh, done an excellent job in adhering to public health orders. And I'm pleased to confirm that today, uh, as part of our government's relaunch strategy, that we'll begin to lift the restrictions on non-urgent scheduled surgeries. Starting this morning, AHS is proceeding with a mix of minor and and major surgeries based on the determination that the the rate of new COVID-19 infections does not present a significant risk to patients or staff uh, or the capacity of the system. We'll take a carefully controlled and and phased approach as we resume non-urgent surgeries. Patients who would be at greater risk if surgery was delayed any further will receive their care first. As we phase in surgeries and uh, and other procedures, we'll carefully monitor and evaluate to determine if more procedures can resume, uh, like short-term overnight stays in hospital, for example. If our evaluation determines that uh, there is too much uh, at risk, we'll take a step back if we need to, because the safety of patients, the safety of healthcare providers, and the safety of all Albertans remains our highest priority. And as I said, priority will go to those patients who are at the highest risk uh, by any further delays in surgery. In addition, independent allied health professionals, so this includes chiropractors, psychologists, physiotherapists, and other regulated professionals, will be permitted to resume operations. Our government is working to, uh, with the, the, the professional colleges of these professions to develop guidelines for their members who choose to restart their services. This includes physical distancing, patient screening, care of patients with COVID-19, use of PPE or personal protective equipment, and as well, cleaning procedures. The decision to reopen a clinic remains with the operator, as uh, does the responsibility to determine their ability to keep themselves and their patients uh, and their staff safe. In every aspect of Alberta's phased relaunch strategy, um, and and every aspect of that strategy, puts the health of Albertans at uh, the forefront. 
thanks to uh, the measures of our government, as well as AHS, uh, have taken to uh, taken. Um, that uh, HS and our government have taken, and the hard work and dedication of our front uh, frontline healthcare workers, our healthcare system continues to be ready for the virus's peak. The health of patients and uh, healthcare providers remains our priority. We will rely on our healthcare providers to make responsible decisions as we move forward with resuming non-urgent surgeries. Together, we'll move forward get patients the care that they need, protect vulnerable Albertans, and get back to work and enjoying life in this beautiful province one step at a time. Thank you. I'll now invite Dr. Henshaw to, uh, to the podium. Dr. Henshaw. Thank you, Minister, and good afternoon. Today we are reporting an additional 70 cases of COVID-19 bringing the total number of cases in Alberta to 5,836. Of these, 2,942 people have now recovered. Since my last update, we have also confirmed nine additional deaths in the province. This brings the total number of lives lost to 104. Reaching more than 100 deaths is a somber milestone. Four of the nine deaths reported today occurred within the last 24 hours. The others occurred in previous days or weeks. Sometimes it takes time to confirm a death was related to COVID-19. As the number of deaths in our province increases, so does the number of grieving families and loved ones. To everyone who is feeling the pain of losing someone to this virus, I extend my sincere condolences, as well as to anyone grieving the loss of a loved one from any cause. As of today, there are now 621 COVID-19 ca uh, cases in outbreaks in continuing care facilities across the province. At High Rivers Cargill Meatpacking Plant, there have now been 936 cases, 810 of whom have now recovered. There have been 469 confirmed cases in people who work at the JBS plant in Brooks. Including these, there have been 998 total confirmed cases in the city of Brooks, underlining that this is not an outbreak limited to a work site, but a complex outbreak that needs interventions across all settings. I want to emphasize what that means for how we need to support those who are impacted. I have heard stories of discrimination against newcomer families, with assumptions being made that any workers at Cargill and JBS and their families are a risk to others. People who are cases or close contacts will be supported by public health to self-isolate, but this is not required of all employees or families. When people are stigmatized or targeted, it blocks our collective ability to control the spread as people may fear getting tested or talking to public health. We should be supporting people who are in this situation, not stigmatizing them. As I have said before, when we focus on a single site without taking a comprehensive approach to stopping spread in all settings, we will not be successful in outbreak control. I also want to make clear that this statement is focused on how our formal outbreak response plans have improved over time. Employees at these plants should not be blamed or shamed for spread of the virus. We are all in this together and our success in controlling spread will be based on how effectively we can help each other to take the measures that are required. 
One final note I want to make is that cases do not require a doctor's note to return to work. Public health works with every case to ensure they have information on when they can safely return to their activities. And this information is the best indicator of the date on which their isolation can be ended. I want to also tell you today about an outbreak at the Perlator Distribution Centre in Calgary with 30 cases in employees. The company is working closely with Alberta Health Services Public Health, putting in place outbreak precautions and supporting AHS to offer testing to all employees. I also want to update you on two sites where prompt reporting and early intervention led to prevention of spread. Both at the Safina and Mountain View Chicken Processing Facilities, a prompt report to public health of just one or two confirmed cases meant that testing of all workers, isolation of cases and contacts, and outbreak precaution implementation all took place within days of the notification. So far, only five cases have been identified at Mountain View and two at Safina, and some of those cases may have been acquired outside the workplace. We continue to learn from our experiences and from other jurisdictions to improve our public health response. This includes things such as use of masks when physical distancing is not always possible, promotion of early identification of ill people through health screening, and follow-up to prevent further cases from occurring by rapid identification of their close contacts and the use of testing. As we look forward to when public health measures will be relaxed, these control measures become ever more important. Success in containing outbreaks relies on participation of all stakeholders. And I want to thank all employers who are proactively putting measures in place to prevent spread, reporting to public health if cases are identified, and working on implementing recommended measures. We have success stories from these measures. I also want to acknowledge all Albertans who are going online or calling 811 if they have symptoms of COVID-19 and arranging to be tested. As of today, 164,722 tests have been performed in the province, including 3,775 in the past 24 hours. Our aggressive testing approach is helping us identify cases quickly and coupled with improved contact tracing ability, Thanks to the AB Trace Together app, we will enhance our success in preventing further spread of the virus from confirmed cases. Today, we are further reinforcing our ability to detect new cases by expanding our testing eligibility and the list of COVID symptoms that qualify a person for testing. Individuals who have any of the following symptoms are eligible for testing, fever, chills, a new cough or worsening of a chronic cough, new or worsening shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, sore throat or painful swallowing, stuffy or runny nose, headaches, muscle or joint aches, feeling unwell in general or new fatigue or severe exhaustion, gastrointestinal symptoms including nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, or unexplained loss of appetite loss of sense of smell or taste, or conjunctivitis, commonly known as pink eye. This expanded list is based on new and emerging information on the virus. The AHS self-assessment tool online has been updated to include all of these symptoms. 
Adding these new symptoms will allow us to be more confident that we can identify as early as possible the small percentage of cases that may present with more unusual symptoms. One of the other things we have seen in emerging evidence is the possibility of cases that remain asymptomatic throughout the course of their infection. While most people who get infected will eventually feel sick, there are some who do not. In order to improve our chances of finding these cases who may not experience symptoms, today we are also expanding the availability of testing to all close contacts of confirmed cases, whether they are feeling symptoms or not. Considering what we now know about how this virus spreads, including that people can pass it on before they feel sick, and the need to identify and contain cases as quickly as possible, this is a necessary step. The information gleaned from asymptomatic testing does have limitations. It only offers a point in time snapshot and a negative test does not guarantee a person is in the clear. They could still go on to become positive and infect others, which is why close contacts of confirmed cases who test negative will still need to complete a 14 day period of isolation from others. But asymptomatic testing of close contacts is one more tool we can use to prevent further transmission in our communities by identifying positive cases as soon as possible. Finally, one additional testing expansion we are putting in place is a protocol to test all those who are newly admitted to any continuing care facility in the province, as well as testing those who live in these facilities when they are admitted to hospital or when they are discharged from hospital back to a facility. We will continue to use all the tools available to us as we build our plan to reopen businesses and public places over the coming weeks and months. We need to gather as much accurate information on how the virus is spreading as we can. This will help us to make informed decisions that weigh and balance the intertwined goals of protecting Albertans from spread of COVID-19 while cautiously enhancing social and economic activity, which also support Albertans' health. I am encouraged to see the AB Trace Together app now has more than 103,000 users. I hope more Albertans will choose to download the app to increase our contact tracing ability. I know we are all looking forward to moving into the relaunch stages. We will get there sooner if we continue to follow public health orders Stay home and take the AHS online assessment if you're feeling unwell and getting tested if we're instructed to do so. This will help provide a clear picture of how the virus is affecting our communities. Thank you and we're happy to take questions. All right, we'll go to the phone now. In addition to Dr. Insha and the Minister of Health, we also have Dr. Mark Jaffe, Vice President and Medical Director with the AHS to answer questions as well. Operator, could you please put through the first question? Thank you. First is Carrie Globe and Mail. Go ahead, Carrie. I'm sorry, operator, could you try that again? We're having a little difficulty hearing you. Hello, this is uh, the operator. First is for Carrie Tate with the Globe and Mail. Go ahead, Carrie. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I'm wondering, Dr. Hinshaw, if you feel the. Oh. I'm sorry, Carrie, we lost. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yep. Could you repeat that, please? Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. I'm wondering if you're confident that there's enough PPE in the meat processing factories for workers. 
So uh, with respect to the factories where Alberta Health Services has been on site um, and has been working with them, there are uh, there's work underway to make sure that those kinds of precautions are in place. Uh, we are also working on a proactive guidance document. It was actually just released. Uh, I'm not sure if it was posted yesterday or today. That's a part of our worksite guidance that does have some specific recommendations for large complex worksites such as meat processing facilities. And uh, working with multiple partners to plan a proactive approach to be able to support all of these workplaces to ensure that they're aware of what they need to do to prevent spread and what kinds of things like PPE would be required. So that work is underway. Operator, could you put through the next question, please? Next is Michael King with Global News. Go ahead, Michael. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. Obviously, the number of deaths today, uh, I believe that's the, the most in the province or that we've seen in the province, but also the, the number of new cases just percentage-wise is the lowest we've seen. What would you tell Albertans as they look at these two numbers, especially as we get ready to kind of reopen the province even more next week? So I think uh, with respect to the number of deaths reported today, one thing to remember is that these are deaths that occurred over the past week to 10 days. Uh, and so while each death is a tragedy and everything we're doing is to strive to prevent tragic outcomes like these, it is important to not take the reporting of all of them on a single day to indicate a particular trend in time. Uh, because again, only four of these did occur within the last 24 hours. So with respect to a, a trend, we'll, we really need to look at um, when those occurred. With respect to the number of new cases, we see right now uh, a decline. So we were seeing several hundred new cases a day. Um, I think that one of the factors that does affect the number of new cases a day is our testing regime uh, with respect to how uh, aggressively we're, we're testing in different areas. And so as we've been testing in some particular outbreak settings, we have seen numbers rise when those test results come back. Uh, and now we're seeing more of a, a kind of population average with respect to the testing that, that has come back within the last 24 hours. So I think that it's uh, obviously a good thing when we have fewer cases, but part of the reason that we're expanding our testing eligibility today is to make sure that we are casting the net as wide as possible so that we have as good an idea of, as possible of where we may be having cases. Uh, so I think that Albertans should be encouraged by the lower number of new cases, but also vigilant because we can see with some of the outbreaks that we're experiencing uh, that depending on uh, the circumstances of how people interact with each other, uh, that there can be spread where a small number of cases can quickly become a large number. So I think that's also important to keep in mind. Operator, could you please put through the next question? Next is Rick Bell with the Calgary Sun. Go ahead, Rick. All right, good afternoon, uh, Dr. Hinshaw. Um, <clears throat> just a quick question, which is um, with the opening of many things on or police planned opening as early as may 14th how can you assure and perhaps reassure albertans who have faced a lot of you know a lot of news about COVID over the last several weeks how do you assure them that it is uh, safe for them to go into a uh, restaurant or or into a clothing store or the other places that are going to be open on May 14th because there's been a lot of, you know, pretty scary news over the last several weeks about COVID, 
uh, not just here but around the world, and now these things are opening. So how, what do you tell Albertans uh, to reassure them or assure them that um, it will be okay for them to go to these sorts of places on May 14th? So first of all, I would say that, that May 14th is uh, the target, but that we still need to look at our numbers and our indicators over the next few weeks to make sure that our numbers are trending in the right direction and that we are able to start moving towards that reopening. I think it's also really important that Albertans remember that if there is someone who has a chronic condition or someone who's older, then they may want to take additional precautions and it still may be wise for people who are at risk of severe outcomes to limit their uh, trips outside their home or contact with others. Uh, so again, I think the message as we look towards this relaunch is not that we have eliminated the risk. We have not. We have reduced it by our actions together by limiting the spread. And we will need to continue to take the actions such as distancing ourselves two meters from others, uh, considering that, you know, again, people who have chronic conditions or, or risk factors uh, may not want to go out and go to retail stores or go to restaurants. And we will be putting measures in place so that any business that's going to be um, allowed to reopen must demonstrate that they have measures in place to prevent the spread in that particular location. And so, you know, as I mentioned in my speaking notes, we really need to work together to be able to both minimize the spread of COVID as well as minimize the impact, uh, both social and economic on Albertans, because that also has an impact on people's health. So again, I would say, Rick, that it's it continues to be a balance um, that we will review our data and we'll be making recommendations about timing and how we reopen based on that data. And when we do move into that reopening phase, all of us will continue to need to work together to prevent spread even with this uh, start back into relaunch. Operator, could you put through the next question, please? Next is Julia Wong with Global News. Go ahead, Julia. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw, thanks for taking my question. There continues to be a slow but steady increase of cases suspected to be community transmission. How concerning is that as the province starts to open up again? So the cases where we're not sure um, where they acquired it. So again, that's our, our unknown exposure. We used to call it community transmission. I think there was some confusion. So I think our reports have relabeled that unknown exposure and that absolutely is a concern. Uh, so we've been working really closely with the contact tracers and Alberta Health Services and with our epidemiologists to try to get as much information as possible about the locations that people have been in the two weeks before they got sick so that we can get a better understanding of what locations may be causing uh, this risk or exposure. Um, and so that's a, a work in progress. I think we need to, again, make sure that uh, we're casting our net as wide as possible with testing, which is partly why we're expanding our eligibility today uh, and making sure that as much as possible with that contact tracing, we're able to get those detailed stories. So I think, again, it is a concern and we continue to look at it very closely. 
I would also flag that sometimes when we look closely at those cases that are initially flagged as an unknown exposure, we do find that there are links back to a known case. And so that number does sometimes move up and down and sometimes can drop as we identify particular uh, exposures that link them back to someone where we know they acquired the case. So it fluctuates, but we do continue to keep a close eye on it. Operator, could you put through the next question, please? Next is Andrea Hunkar with CBC. Go ahead, Andrea. Hi there, Dr. Hinshaw. Um, we have heard both praise for the reopening of the economy and the timeline, and also concern that it's too soon and that the economy is being prioritized over the safety of Albertans. What do you say to those people who are expressing that concern? So I think that it's quite right to be cautious. Uh, and I think that there may be some who feel that we've um, we've sheltered in place, there's been a storm and, and some people may feel that the storm has passed and now we can go out and back to life as normal. And I think what we need to think about is the fact that the storm is still here. The storm will be here for a long while to come um, and we cannot wait until we uh, have no COVID at all until we start to reopen certain aspects of our economic and social lives. Uh, we need to continue to be cautious together. These businesses cannot open in the way that they used to operate. Everyone has to put measures in place to prevent spread. But it is also true that the longer that we have these restrictions in place, the more impact that has on Albertans and their health is impacted by that as well. So unfortunately, we do not have any options that are entirely risk-free. And what we need to do is balance these options together and make sure that we are doing the best we can to protect Albertans um, as we again cautiously open up sectors with precautions while looking at our data and making sure that we're evaluating as we do cautiously make these moves forward. Uh, but again, this is something that we all need to work together to have happen successfully. Operator, could you put through the next question, please? Next is Michelle Belafontaine with CBC. Go ahead, Michelle. Oh, hi there, Dr. Hinshaw. I mean, I have read through your uh, the workplace guidance for business owners that's posted online, but I'm wondering um, if Alberta Health has any plans to provide sector-specific guidelines for businesses that hope to uh, re hope hope to reopen in the first stage, whenever that happens. So Alberta Health is working with different partners, both other ministries and different industry associations. Uh, we are, what we're doing is, is kind of looking at those sectors who may be reopening in the early phases and asking those industries who know their business better than we do to look at that workplace guidance and then come to us and say, what would that look like with respect to implementing those measures in those workplaces? So again, we're working closely with uh, Ministry of Labor, Ministry of Economic Development, um, Trade and Tourism uh, to make sure that we're working together both across ministries and with these industries uh, so that those guidelines that get developed are appropriate to those industries and also that we have a chance to review them and are able to provide feedback to make sure that those measures that are going to be put in place do line up uh, with what's required to protect Albertans. So that will be a collaborative effort and, and we're working on that uh, through different sectors and more will be coming on that uh, in the upcoming weeks. We've got time for three additional questions. Operator, could you put through the next one, please? 
Next is Alicia Corbella with Post Media. Go ahead, Alicia. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Minister Sandro and Dr. Hinshaw. Cargill and JBS have as many confirmed positive cases of COVID-19 as the provinces of Saskatchewan, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, and Newfoundland and Labrador combined. And when community spread is included, they make up more than 40% of all of the confirmed cases in Alberta. Cargill's outbreak is the largest workplace outbreak in all of Canada and apparently on the continent. Two workers, one at each plant, have died. I'd like to hear from both of you on this to get your perspective. For those of us looking on and who have had the opportunity to speak with these distraught workers at those plants, this is a failure of epic proportion. I'm curious to hear how each of you would describe these outbreaks. So I'll start and then maybe um, pass it over to Minister Chandro. Uh, so with the Cargill outbreak, uh, we did respond to that, my colleagues at Alberta Health Services, um, and there had been uh, a previous exposure at another meatpacking plant that was responded to, and so the same kinds of precautions were implemented at Cargill as had been successful in this previous plant. Uh, and I think, as I've said before, one of the things that happened in that early response was that we focused on the site uh, very specifically and that, you know, as time went by and we saw the, the case, um, the epidemiology curve, uh, it became clear that there likely had been some exposures at the site before the outbreak had been declared. Uh, and with that an early outbreak investigation that happened, the responses that were put in place were really focused on making that site safe to work at going forward for the workers and advice was provided but there was no supports that were provided to the workers in the initial response um, in a, a comprehensive and robust way so with respect to the the response that um, further went on after it was identified that uh, we can't just provide advice we need to make sure we provide supports uh, there was a team of several hundred people that was put together with respect to cargill and made sure that every single worker had an individual phone call uh, for clinical support if they were to have experienced any symptoms uh, that testing was made sure to have happen uh, and that any worker who was having challenges in isolation was provided with supports to do so at no cost to themselves and also making sure that if there were any other supports that household needed, that they were offered those supports, again, with supports in uh, additional languages, if that was required. We did then, when there was an outbreak identified in JBS, offer the same kinds of comprehensive supports. But what I will point out with respect to these outbreaks uh, from the information I've received from my colleagues in Alberta Health Services is that, again, if we focus only on the site, uh, we will fail because these are not simply site outbreaks. There is absolutely a site component, but the intertwined nature of the uh, communities, the sites, the families who live in large households, this is absolutely not the fault of the workers. However, it is reflective of the fact that when you have an outbreak in people who are uh, living, working very hard, often working multiple jobs uh, with intertwined um, families working in different sectors, uh, that virus spreads very quickly. And that's what we've seen in these outbreaks. 
I will also say that our testing, I'm not sure what other sectors have done, uh, but we have tested, offered testing to every single worker at these sites. And so with respect to finding additional cases and having an increased case count, we haven't sat back and waited until people develop symptoms. We have offered testing to everyone uh, because we know that there can be some asymptomatic people. So I believe that some of the increased numbers that we've seen at these plants have been the fact that we've aggressively gone after cases so that we have a better opportunity to control the spread in every single setting where workers uh, are spending time. And again, we can't focus just on a site. We are taking those lessons that we've learned in those sites, we're applying them to other sites. And I mentioned in my speaking notes that we do have other sites, other meat processing facilities, where we've done that aggressive intervention at the first case, and we've seen remarkable success. So I think that um, absolutely, uh, these workers have suffered and I think that it's really important to not stigmatize them. It is not their fault, uh, but we also need to make sure that they get every single support they need and that's what's being offered. Thank you, Dr. Hinshaw. And to echo what uh, Dr. Hinshaw said, uh, the, the spread of, of COVID-19 um, and uh, the response to it is, is complex. It's, uh, it's a complicated issue. Uh, there are a number of factors involved in its spread and, and uh, the response to it. Um, it's happening in other places in, uh, in this country and throughout the world. Um, and, and we have committed as a government to making sure that um, after um, the response to, to COVID-19 that we will be taking a, a robust uh, approach to our review of um, our response to, to uh, the, the pandemic and uh, making sure that uh, we are going to be updating our pandemic plan for, for the province. Thank you. Operator, could you put through the next question, please? Next is Brenna Rose with CTV News. Go ahead, Brenna. Hi there, my question is for Dr. Hinshaw. In regards to parcel safety, given that now we have cases at Purelater and Amazon, what steps should people be taking if they receive a package? And do those people who have gotten one in the past little while need to be concerned about their health? Sure, so uh, with respect to receiving packages, uh, we do know that it's possible for the virus to survive on some surfaces. Um, and on something like cardboard, for example, it can survive for about a day. Uh, and that's in controlled environments, so that wouldn't take into account if something was outdoors, then that may uh, inactivate the virus sooner. I think that with respect to receiving packages, the safest thing to do would be to uh, open the package, uh, dispose of the packaging, uh, whether that's the outdoor or the outer wrappings, cardboard, um, plastic packaging, and then wash hands immediately uh, before touching any of the contents in the package. That would be the most effective. Uh, there's little evidence to suggest that there has been um, transfer of the virus over long distances or times from a package. Uh, most of the environmental contamination and transfer has been when people are in the same space uh, and there's high touch surfaces that people have been using. Uh, however, again, to be absolutely cautious, the best thing to do would be to dispose of all that packaging, wash hands thoroughly and well, at least 20 seconds before touching what's inside that package. Operator, could you put through the final question, please? That's Kevin Berger with Town & Country. Go ahead, Kevin. 
Hi. Um, uh, I'm actually asking about the uh, announcement that was made last Thursday. Um, so today we're, we're reintroducing some non-emergency surgeries and uh, we're allowing some, some professionals uh, to, to return, like dentists and, and physiotherapists and so forth. But last Thursday, um, Alberta Health Services actually put out a release concerning um, uh, appointment-only lab work in rural health care facilities, uh, and that's actually taking place today. One, I was wondering um, if you can give it shedding light how long this is going to, this sort of restriction is going to take, be in place. And two, I was, I was curious why this hasn't been imposed before now. I would have thought that something like this would have been done like a month ago or, or something like that. So I'll maybe see if uh, I could... This question is for... Jaffe can comment on that. <laughs> Thank you for that question. Uh, so appointment scheduling was introduced uh, in the last week. This is really to ensure safety of individuals coming for laboratory testing, as well as to ensure the safety of the staff who are present at the site, again, to make sure that the site isn't overloaded, that there's opportunity for physical distancing, uh, and uh, really to offer the best and the safest service possible. Sorry, did you have a follow-up, Kevin? Going to be, uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was sort of part of my question was, uh, how long will this restriction remain in place? So I don't think I can uh, give you an exact date. I think we're going to be monitoring this very carefully. We're going to be seeing how some of the other services uh, open up and uh, and monitoring very carefully to ensure safety of all Albertans as we do so. And uh, and then we, uh, in time, will go back to business as usual, scheduling or uh, or, or opening up the laboratory services as uh, as Albertans have been used to. But in the in the short term, at least, we will be controlling access to ensure safety for all. Excellent. Thank you all for coming. We will provide another update tomorrow afternoon. All right, it's 4.15. You've been listening to the daily COVID-19 news um, news update on, on what's happening in the province on the COVID-19 front. Uh, 70 new cases uh, reported today, bringing that total to 5,836. Nine deaths uh, on, on the books for today, bringing the total to 104. But Dr. Hinshaw made sure to clarify that four of those have been in the past 24 hours. The other five have been in the past few days and weeks. It's just taken a time to to, to find out that it, it was COVID-19 related. And she talked about how reaching 100 is a sad milestone, and you'll hear from her on that front coming up. Updating some of the outbreaks across the province as well, some of those numbers. Um, long-term care facilities, uh, 621 cases there. Cargill, 936. 810 of those cases though have uh, have uh, have recovered there is an outbreak at uh, the pure later calgary distribution center 30 cases there and um, dr hinshaw asked about what we should be doing because there was another one at the um Amazon facility in Balzac as well, like five or uh, six cases there about how we should be handling any packages. And you just heard her uh, mention that about, you know, unwrap uh, whatever it is and then wash your hands uh, well. She says for the most part, there's little evidence to suggest that there is transfer transfer from package or that, um, that the virus can live much longer than about 24 hours on something like cardboard. And, and that would be in a very controlled situation. Uh, 
Um, also talking about expanding the testing, expanding testing eligibility quite extensively. And uh, we'll hear more on that.